Welcome to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Spend this hour with us learning how you can protect the people you love from the financial, physical, and emotional consequences of an extended health care situation. Because of new state and federal laws, there are new and exciting long-term care planning options available. As a certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott will help you make sense of your options. Now here's your host of Long-Term Care Radio, Brian Ott. You know, one of the more common questions I get is when should I look into long-term care insurance planning? Now, I will tell you, if you go out there on the internet, you're going to find quite a few opinions. And here are a few of them. The American Association for Long-Term Care Insurance, known as AALTCI, recommends that individuals take out a policy in their mid-50s. So I'm going to say, you know, let's call that 54, 55, 56. Mid-50s is what the AALTCI website says. Now, if you surf around a little longer, you land on Charles Schwab website, and Schwab says this. It says most LTC or most long-term care claims begin when people are in their 80s. Because of that, somewhere between ages 50 and 65 is generally the most cost-effective time to buy. The younger you are, the lower the cost. But if you purchase too early, you'll be paying premiums for a longer period of time. Okay, so that's what's on their website. Now, keep in mind, if you buy an asset-based plan, you're not paying premiums at all if you do a single lump sum or a five-pay or ten-pay. You're not carrying on those payments. So this is just some old information I can tell. Then we've got the uh, Dave Ramsey, which is a popular radio host. He has a TV show and a website. And on his website, it says about 95% of long-term care claims are filed by people older than age 70. So 95% file claims they're older than age 70. Um, With very few claims starting after, with most claims starting after age 85 is what his website says. That's why it doesn't make sense to start a long-term care insurance policy any earlier than 60. You don't want to be dishing out money for an extra decade for no reason. And he goes on to say that you need to consider other factors, but don't buy long-term care insurance before you're 60 because you're afraid that something might happen. It's not likely to happen. Wait until you're 60. So those are three varying opinions that are giving us ages and, you know, age ranges. And I will just tell you, I have a problem with all of these recommendations. Listen to a couple of the key words that they use on their websites. Most. So they say most LTC claims begin when people are in their 80s. Well, technically that may be correct, technically speaking. But over 30% of those claims start under age 80, and some carriers have reported that nearly 25% of their claims come from people under 65. Now, you know, these are not necessarily permanent situations to people under 65. A lot of times it's something like cancer or an accident, but there's... Each insurance carrier reports this data separately, and I've seen claims over 25% of people that are under age 65 that report that. Here's another one that was in there. It says about 95% of all long-term care claims are filed by people older than age 70. Again, statistically this is true, but this data is based on 8 million people who have long-term care insurance policies. So if we take the 5%, of people that are not over age 70 yet, that equals about 400,000 people. You know, roughly a a city the size of Tampa, Florida, or Arlington, Texas. And so you got to ask yourself, do those 400,000 people that are going on claim under age 70 really care what group they're in, that statistically that shouldn't happen to them? Of, Of course not. They're just glad if they have insurance. Another phrase was, it's not likely to happen to you. Talking about needing long-term care before that age, it's not likely to happen to you. It's like, hmm, well, what if they're wrong? What if it does happen to you? What if you're one of those 400,000 people that it happens at any time? And to be honest with you, there's people out there on claim that are in their 30s. There's people on claim that um, from the get paralyzed in accidents, if they had long-term care insurance in their 20s, they, they would be on claim, but they usually don't have it. They're just what they call disabled. So again, be very careful. My point here is the statistics are based on a 10,000-foot view on the population and not you as an individual. You know, let's just look at statistics in a different way. Odds of your house burning down are 0.08%. Or you could look at it this way. You have a 99.92% chance this year that your house is not going to burn down this year. 
So, I mean, just think about it carefully when you hear statistics like this. I will tell you from my own personal experience, when your house does burn down, you don't care about the statistics. You're just glad that you have insurance. When we're looking at the best time to do anything, buying a house, getting a new car, getting an education, we have to consider several factors, and long-term care insurance planning is no different. One of the big things you have to look at is your family history. You know, a lot of us are prone to health issues due to genetics. So if everyone in your family develops Alzheimer's, you need to take that in consideration. You need to look at the health of that. It's the same as when you're making that claim for Social Security. If all the men in your family die at age 72 or before, you probably don't want to wait till age 70 to take your Social Security. So you need to just think about that. Does cancer or Alzheimer's run in your family? I mean, there's no guarantee that you will end up in the same situation, but carriers are starting to ask those very questions because oftentimes there is a direct link or illness based on family history. Another consideration that you should always look at, you know, is where are you at financially? Do you have the resources to invest in a plan? And this is one of the big things that I tell a lot of people. We talk about this in some of the forums that I'm on with some different advisors. I got my first long-term care insurance policy when I was in my 40s. And I was hoping that it would not be the policy, the last policy that I had. But the reason why I took it out is because I've been in this business long enough, I've seen people that get declined. And so what I wanted to do is get a plan in place that fit me at that time and point financially so at least I had something on the book, so to speak. So you need to look at that. You also need to look at where you're at. Do you have assets to protect? So again, this is what's surprising. A lot of people don't need long-term care insurance. I, I, you've heard me talk about this. I, I hate how advisors will say you need to get long-term care insurance. I don't really think anybody needs it. I think those people that have assets and income and family members probably want it because they want to protect that, but they don't necessarily need it. For people that don't have any meaningful assets, for people that are going into retirement simply with Social Security, they don't need long-term care insurance either. Unfortunately, they're going to have to go the Medicaid route or they're going to have to have their family take care of them, but they don't necessarily need it because there's no assets there to protect, and when their health is compromised, they would simply just roll onto the Medicaid system. So a lot of times we have a few clients where the children have stepped in and purchased long-term care policies for their parents because their parents didn't have the assets or the income to really do that, and the kids just simply didn't want their parents on Medicaid, and they wanted to have that, you know, that protection so they wouldn't have to step into that role as a caregiver. So you need to consider your assets. What do you have to protect? You need to think about what do you want your legacy to be? Where do you want those assets to go? Do you want your assets to go to your family members? Do you have a charity that you want them to go? Or do you just, you're not worried about that? So these are all factors that we're thinking about as we're planning long-term care insurance. The more assets you have to protect, the more robust you want a long-term care plan to be because that's really what it's doing is providing that income to pay for care in a tax-free method so that you can protect your assets. And then I think one of the other factors that you need to really focus on is, you know, who do you have to support you for care? Who can help you out in a time of need? Over half of Americans end up depending on family members for 100% of their care. 50% of people in long-term care situations today depend solely on family members to provide that care. And then if we look at the whole big picture, about another 25%, so roughly roughly about two-thirds, two-thirds to three-quarters of the people out there that are in claim are re- using their family for at least part of their long-term care services. So that means half depend 100% on it, throw another 20 to 30% then in there are using partly paid help, but they're also using family members at the same time. So those are some of the factors that we need to consider. And so when you jump on the website, a lot of people will call me and say, when do I need to get long-term care insurance? I'd say, well, there's a lot of factors that we need to look at. And obviously, if you can't afford any long-term care insurance, it doesn't matter whether you're 30 or you're 65. If you can't afford to set up a plan, it's not going to work for you. But if you are in a position financially, you can look at it earlier because there's going to be some certain advantages. But these are just some of the factors you need to consider when you're thinking about putting that plan in place. But this is not the most important. There is one factor out there that outweighs all of these other factors that I've talked about. And you need to consider this more than anything. I'm going to share that with you when we get back. But first, I got to take a quick break. So stick around. I'll be right back. 
Avoid the mistake of paying unnecessary taxes, guarantee the quality of your care, and preserve your legacy and wealth by setting up your own tax-free long-term care plan. Learn more by attending Brian's free live webinar class. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. Hey, it's Story Monson. Welcome back, my friends, Brian and Madeline from 525 Advisors. They took a break last year due to that debacle created by the Washington State CARES Act, you know, the payroll tax on employees for forced long-term care that was basically worthless. The law was so poorly written and created such a mess, most insurance carriers temporarily quit offering plans in the state. But 525 Advisors is back, ready to help protect your family and savings with the best long-term care plans available. They did for my wife and me, and we couldn't be happier. I know everything we worked hard for won't be whittled down paying for long-term care. And most importantly, our girls are protected from the burden of having to care for us. And a great bonus, our plan pays us back if we never use it. So learn about all kinds of important long-term care information and join Brian this Saturday at 10 for Long-Term Care Radio here on 97.3 Cairo FM. Check out his upcoming live webinar schedule, too, at 525longtermcare.com, 525longtermcare.com. Hi, this is Brian Ott with 525 Advisors. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to protect many people and their families with long-term care planning. However, I've also seen how long-term care events devastate families and turn the last years for the family into their worst years. Many people believe the downside from a long-term care situation is limited to financial loss. Yet often, it's the emotional damage that lingers and hurts the family members the most. Watching a loved one go through their savings is one thing, but watching a loved one lose their dignity is far worse. Long-term care insurance provides a dedicated source of funds to help pay for your care when you need it. But more importantly, it provides you with a team of trained professionals that will help you and your family manage your care. Learn how you can stay in control of your care options, maintain your dignity, and protect the people you care about most by attending one of our upcoming live webinars. Sign up today at 525longtermcare.com. That's 525longtermcare.com. Staying in control of your care options is a better alternative than letting the government decide for you. Welcome back to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, Certified Long-Term Care Planning Specialist with 525 Advisors. And welcome back, and thanks for uh, tuning in to Long-Term Care Radio this weekend. Um, Let's see here. We do have a class coming up next week. That's Thursday the 23rd, so that's going to kick off at 3 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Mountain Time. For those of you that are listening live to Long-Term Care Radio on KOA Radio out in the Colorado market on that front range, we do have a class this morning. This is the 18th. That class is going to kick off at 9 a.m. your time. So you've got a little bit of time. You can still go to our website, 525longtermcare.com. Again, 525longtermcare.com. Just click on Attend an Event, and what's going to happen is we're going to send you a link. You click on that link. You can watch the webinar in your browser. Um, on your phone, on your laptop, it doesn't matter. And it's live, so you're going to see me. You're going to be able to send questions in and stuff. So, again, the next one is next Thursday, the 23rd, that everybody can sign up for. But if you are listening to this early morning on Saturday in in Colorado, you can still sign up because that Saturday webinar, the 18th, is going to kick off at 9 a.m. your time, 8 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're just joining us today, we're going to discuss some of the factors that you need to consider when putting a long-term care plan in place. It's a common question that I get on a regular basis, at what age is the best time to put a plan in place? And as I discussed in the first segment, there are a lot of opinions floating around out there. So let's look at you know, some of these you know, other considerations. Um, first and foremost, the most important factor that you need to consider when you're thinking about planning for long-term care is your health. And I don't mean that if you're healthy, you don't need to consider long-term care. In fact, it's just the opposite. Your good health is what allows you to get long-term care insurance. If you wait until your health is compromised to a certain point, you won't be able to qualify for a policy. Now, believe it or not, I get multiple calls a year from somebody who is already in a care situation looking for insurance. That's the equivalent of calling to get homeowner's insurance when the fire department is in your driveway because your house is on fire. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Um, The process of being approved for long-term care insurance is called underwriting. This is when the insurance company you apply with will review your application information, and there are several things that they're going to look at. 
Age, number one, do you fit within their age range? And what I mean by this is some carriers will say, we will offer insurance for ages 40 on the low end to 80 on the high end. Some carriers will start at age 30. We had several carriers that would do ages 18, but we're really limited to group policies today that will go down to age 18 on traditional long-term care insurance. Most of them are going to be somewhere around 30 is what they're going to start at. So there's an age, you have to be a specific age to be able to qualify to get in or on the high end, most of the carriers are going to tap out around age 80, but we do have a couple carriers that will go up to age 85 on the asset-based plans. I do not have any pay-as-you-go set up a plan that you can do between age 80 and 85. So one of the first things they're going to do with that application is they're going to look at your age and they're going to see if you fit within your, your age range. Number two, they're going to look at your income and your assets. This is to make sure that, you know, the program is suitable for your situation. And what I mean by that is if you want an asset-based plan and you say, hey, here's $100,000 I just want to put into that plan, well, you may want to do that. But if it's your only, you know, bucket of money, if that's your last $100,000 and you're living off of Social Security, the insurance company is not going to allow us to set that plan up for you because it's just not suitable because you're not going to have access to that cash, that liquid to, you know, fix your roof or, or pay for anything else. So they're always going to look at what they call suitability, which is income and assets. And so during the application process, that's something that we're always looking at. We're saying, hey, tell me about your income. How long do you plan on working? What about your assets? And we break that down. And it's not because we want to be nosy. And some people said, well, I don't want to give up that information. It's because the carriers are held to a suitability standard that they've got to be able to prove you know, to the regulators that, yes, we went into this with good faith, making sure that this product was suitable for the client. And the most important part of underwriting process is the health review. Now, this is what people don't understand about long-term care. It's your health that is going to allow you to get long-term care insurance. Not so much your age. As long as you fit within that age range, it is your health. And so each application is going to have a series of health questions. Number one, are there any current diagnoses? Well, you know, have you have you been diagnosed with somebody something already? So a lot of people will contact us after they've been diagnosed with memory loss. Well, guess what? They're going to be an automatic turndown. That's a cognitive issue. They're already, you know, too late. The house is on fire. It may be a small kitchen fire at this point, but the insurance company is just going to look at it and say no. So that's why they're always going to ask, you know, tell us about any current diagnosis, anything you've you've dealt with in the past, medications that you're currently taking, medications that you've taken in the past. Every single carrier is going to do what they call an RX check. That's going to be done as soon as we submit that application. So you have to be aware that your prescriptions do matter. And so some people today, you can say, well, I'm not taking any prescriptions. I'm in good shape. I'm healthy. That's fine. But when that changes, you got to remember that's going to be a factor that the insurance company is going to look at. Um, any problems with activities of daily living? You know, are you already having problems? Are you using a walker? Are you using a four-legged cane? Do you have continence issues, balance issues, anything like that? That's going to be asked on the application, and they're going to go over that with you as well because they're looking for anything like that that could already be a triggering type of event. Some are even going to probe into family history for cancer and cognitive impairment. A lot of the carriers out there are starting to link this. Not all the carriers are doing this, but a lot. That's why we always ask, tell us about your family history on our pre-screen, because what we're trying to do is figure out what carriers we can submit with comfortably, because some carriers are saying, look, if you have a series of these you know, cognitive issues or cancer in the family and you're already taking these medications or you've had these other problems, it might be enough to push you into a decline situation. Now, depending on your age and how you answer these questions, the application and um, well, it depends on who the carrier is too. But how you, how you answer these questions on the application is going to basically set up the next steps for you to move through the underwriting process. What is required? It could be just a phone interview. So when I did my last asset-based plan, I just did a phone interview. That's all I had to do. My wife had to do a phone interview as well. They called us up. They went over the information on the application, asked us a few questions. That was it. Done. Approved. So some companies will do just a phone interview. I have a few companies that won't even do a phone interview as long as they're all the answers on the application met or, you know, are, are, are proper and they do the RX check and there's nothing there. Sometimes they'll just do it without the phone interview. Cognitive assessment. 
Now, this is something that is very common, especially for carriers when you start getting into that age 60 range, 65, closer to 70. Almost all the carriers at age 70 are going to do some kind of cognitive assessment. In fact, almost all of them will do it at age 65. So this is actually called the Minnesota Cognitive Test. It's a series of questions. What they're really looking for is your thought process, how you answer, memory, things like that. So that's going to be something that a lot of the carriers will do. So you can see if you're already having problems remembering things, then that's going to be an issue, right? APS or medical records, what we call attending physician statements, that may be something that is is required. And so what will happen is they'll look at the application. Let's say that you've had some chronic back pain, you've had a few shots, whatever it was, they may go in and then say, I want to get these records from that particular doctor to review that's called an attending physician statement. That's that's something that could be done. Maybe a letter from your doctor to explain a particular situation. That's rare, but I have seen that happen. You know, once or twice a year, we'll get an underwriter to come back and say, "Can we get your doctor to please explain this in further detail?" They're just looking at the notes in the medical record, and there's not enough information for them. And often, or I should say, not seldom. Sometimes the insurance carriers will require a face-to-face interview. I will say often if you have not been to the doctor in the last couple of years. So it's kind of no credit doesn't mean you have good credit. If you have not been in to have blood work done and lab work done, you're probably going to be faced with a face-to-face interview and maybe a blood and a urine sample from that person that you're meeting with. So without question, this is the most scrutinized part of the application. It's the medical history. And statistically, what you need to understand is that one in three people who apply for long-term care insurance are denied because of health issues. But the odds of that depend greatly on where you're at in that age range. And so, again, when we go back to talking about specific dates like age 60 to get long-term care insurance, well, you're assuming that you're healthy at age 60 and that there's not going to be any problem. So if you're 59 now, you just wait till you're 60 and you'll pay for less. Not technically, and I'll explain that in a minute. But let's look at ages. This is the, I want you to understand that if we look at people that apply, again, about one-third, about 33% total are turned down that apply for long-term care insurance. But if we look at it by ages, let's look at age 30 to 39. of those people that apply are turned down. I've had people in this category turned down. I've had a 34-year-old turned down before. Age 40 to 49, 18.6% of those people are turned down. I've had several 40-year-olds turned down for medical issues, for prescription drugs that they're taking. I had one person turned down for for a, a continence issue. So there's all kinds of issues that you can be turned down, even though they're only in their 40s. 50 to 59, this is where... This is where you know mid mid fifties is where um, AALTCI is recommending. Well, twenty one point four percent of those people are turned down. So you can see, the odds of you turning down are just getting higher and higher the older you get. Now let's jump to sixty to sixty four. It's just a five year block. Twenty eight point six percent of those are turned down. Sixty five to sixty nine. Thirty six point seven percent of those people are turned down. And ages seventy to seventy four. 45% of people who apply are turned down at that age. So my point of this exercise is, is don't underestimate the risk of becoming uninsured as we age. Every year we get older, the odds of us getting turned down are simply going up. And like I said, personally, I've had 34-year turned down, um, existing back injuries. I had a 42-year-old woman who was turned down for a continence issue after giving birth to three children, you know, not all at once, but over time, obviously. So that decline can happen at any time. And so what you really have to consider is that your health is what allows you to get the insurance. Your age is what determines the price you're going to pay for a certain amount of insurance, your age and your health. So assuming that your preferred rating, a 60-year-old is going to pay more than a 50-year-old. And the way a lot of these programs are built up, you know, they'll say, well, you shouldn't be paying premiums for an extra 10 years. But the way a lot of the traditional plans, especially the pay-as-you-go plans are designed, is that the premiums, if you take a 50-year-old and a 60-year-old and they both go on a claim at age 80, the 50-year-old will have still paid less in total claims and total premiums before they go on claim. I'm sorry. So just keep that in mind. This is just something that we're always looking at. Your health is what allows it to do it. Your financial situation, of course, your family history. The best time to get a plan, obviously, is when you're healthy, you can afford one, you can get one put in place. Um, We need to sneak away for a couple of minutes for the news, but don't go anywhere. When I come back, I'm going to introduce you to Morgan, our client of the week. I'll be right back. Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. 
providing valuable insight to protect you in the event of an extended healthcare situation. Learn more by attending one of Brian's free live webinar classes this month. Sign up now at 525longtermcare.com. 525longtermcare.com. Are you confused about the best way to protect your family and savings? Get answers now by listening to Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott, certified long-term care planning specialist with 525 Advisors. And welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in. So, um, you know, at the bottom of the hour on Long-Term Care Radio, we always bring you a client of the week. And the idea on this, again, is don't get caught up on the numbers, the age, all that. It might, my idea is to bring something different every week so you can just kind of see the process that we go through and how we design a plan. This week, we're talking about when is the best time to look into long-term care insurance. And I was telling you, there's several factors, you know, but number one, it's your health. You need to do it when you're healthy. But financially, are you in a position to do it? Where are your assets at? What's your family structure like? You want to take all those things into consideration. And remember, you can be diagnosed with something next year that you don't have this year, which will make you uninsurable. Everything else can be the same. So that's why I'm always telling when when these advisors and these websites start spitting out dates, we're not all robots. We don't all age in the same fashion. We're not all going to be healthy the entire, you know, till age 60. So you have to keep that in mind. This week, we have our client of the week, who is Morgan. Morgan is 48. She's single. She has an adult daughter who just finished college. She's gainfully employed, so she's excited about that. Morgan came to us looking for some coverage to put a plan in place. This has been in the back of her mind for years, even though she's only 48. And the reason why is she has a friend who is living with multiple sclerosis. So MS, she's been diagnosed with it. She's been living with it for over six years. She was just in her 30s when she was diagnosed. And so Morgan's looking at this, and she's saying, gosh, what if something happens to me? And so her concerns, number one by far, is being a burden on her daughter. I mean, she's looking at her friend and her friend's husband and what they're going through and what they're having to deal with and what they're facing in the future. And Morgan thinks, gosh, this could happen to anybody at any time. So she doesn't want to be a burden on her daughter. Her daughter is basically the the extent of her family at this point. She has no siblings. She has no other family members that she can really lean on to take care of her in a time of need. She's also concerned about a sudden health change that, you know, that could wipe out her savings like cancer or an accident. You know, she's got a good job. She likes her job. She's got a nest egg that she's building on. But she's like, look, you know, if something happened to me now, I would not have my income coming in. I could burn through my savings very quickly and have a nice, long, poor retirement. So she was worried about that. She was afraid a diagnosis like her friend's MS would just make her uninsurable later in life. And she's, she's exactly right. You know, that's the worry of waiting until you're 55 or 65. You're just praying and hoping that, you know, you don't something. I mean, and we've seen stupid things happen, you know, where where somebody gets in a car accident and then they end up with a, a injury that requires using a four-legged cane or a walker or something like that the rest of their life. And guess what? And they, they become uninsurable. So she was worried about that. She was spot on. And she just wants to make sure she has you know additional income to pay for help in a time of need. Those were really her big concerns. And what we found out about Morgan when we started talking to her with, number one, right now she was in excellent health. She had no health issues at all. She could she could do whatever she wanted, preferred rating on a traditional plan, asset-based plan, whatever she wanted to do. She had a good job with the state. She planned on working there for another 12 to 15 years. When she retired, she would have a small pension. She also has a retirement account. It's not big. It's not big enough to just live on. But when she retires, she will have pension and Social Security as well, too. Um, her daughter is out of college, and that's paid for, so she doesn't have any future expenses that she has to contribute for there, so she's feeling pretty good about that. Morgan owns a home, and she wants to stay in it, and she will have it paid off in about four years on her current payment schedule right now. So that will be nice because that will free up even some additional cash flow that she can add to her savings once that house is paid off. What Morgan wanted from a plan, this was the key. When I always ask my people, tell me about your ideal plan what does it look like to you? Number one, her word was flexibility. She wanted a plan that would pay for care in home or in a facility. And of course, all the plans now, comprehensive plans do that. You have to buy a facility-only plan if you don't want home care. But as a base, 
foundation of long-term care plans. They're going to pay for that care in the home. They're going to pay for care and facility. But here's a catch. She wanted a plan that maybe she could pay her daughter if her daughter did help her out. Her daughter's single right now, but she says, you know, if she's still single she wanted to help out, I would want to be able to contribute if I was living with her or she was staying with me. That's just something that she would like or if she had a friend or something that she wanted to hire. So keep that in mind. That's paying what we call informal care. That was on her wish list for a plan. She um, did not want to carry payments into retirement. So again, she's 48 years old and she's going to be working probably, she says, at least another 12 to 15 years. But ideally, she would like a plan that she does not have to keep paying for into retirement, which is a traditional as you, you know, just you, you pay forever on those traditional plans. So those were things that were kind of important to her. She also liked the idea of getting some money back when I asked her, you know, what if you pay into this plan and you never use it? Would you like to see some of the money return to your family? And she said, absolutely. That would be an ideal situation. She would love to leave an inheritance for her daughter, hopefully some grandkids someday. I mean, she's still very young. So those were things that she's thinking about. She said, yes, that would be kind of nice if I could have a plan that would set up and do that for me. Um, Let's see what else here. You know, she she also mentioned, she's like, what if I need to cancel this plan? Now, statistically, very few people cancel a plan. But again, at 48, her thought is, you know, what if I get married again? Or what if I need to change this? Or what if something catastrophic happens and I need the money back I put into that plan? Is there a way that I can get that money back or some of that money back? And that was something that was on kind of her wish list. And I said, you know, we can do that. That's not a problem at all. So here's what we looked at for her. Morgan had the options. Again, she could do traditional or asset-based. So she could just do a pay-as-you-go plan for, you know, she could set up a plan for a few thousand dollars a year if she wanted to and just pay into it until she goes on claim. Or she could do an asset-based plan. The nice thing about the asset-based plans is the asset-based plans allow us to pay in a variety of ways. A single lump sum, over time, limited pay, like five years, 10 years. There's even a paid-up at 65 version out there that she could have done. And so that's what we ended up looking at. You know, the problem with the traditional plan was the ongoing payments. She didn't want that. There's no return of premium if she doesn't use it. The money's just gone. And it's limited to formal care only. So if she gets a traditional pay-as-you-go plan, she would not be able to pay a friend. She would not be able to pay her daughter for helping her out in a time of need. So that pushed us over to the asset-based class, and that's really what we want to look at. And the number one thing that was attractive about the asset-based plan was we had a lot of payment options. So we could set up a limited pay. And what I mean by limited pay, it's just like a mortgage. If you have a 10-year mortgage, you pay for 10 years, the house is paid off, you own it, off you go. Long-term care works the same way. If you set up a 10-pay plan, you're gonna make 10 annual payments to the insurance company. At the end of those 10 years, the insurance plan is paid up in full, you own it, and you're gonna have it the rest of your life. So that's kind of what we looked at. We liked that limited pay option for her because that put her in that position where she would not have to make payments when she retired. Also, asset-based plans are available with what we call cash benefits. So again, this is important. That means when you go on claim, you're either going to get reimbursed for the, the money that you spend on care. That's what the way the traditional plans and most of the asset-based plans are going to have some kind of reimbursement. Or there's cash indemnity, which says that when you go on claim, they are just going to send you that full benefit. And what that does is with a cash indemnity plan, it allows you to basically hire informal care. So you could pay a family member versus being limited to hiring a licensed healthcare worker. Now, I've done a whole show on this. You can go back and get it on the podcast, cash versus indemnity. The problem I have with cash is you got to remember, you're responsible for the paperwork and all those other things. You're also responsible for the care coordination or find somebody to hire to do that. She felt very comfortable. Her daughter had a medical background. Her daughter was in nursing right now. She thought, well, this will be something that I think my daughter would be able to help me out with, even if she's not providing the care. So that was okay for Morgan. So we looked at an asset-based plan that had a cash benefit available so that she could pay family, she could pay friends, she could pay for informal care. And the asset-based plan also gave us the option of a return of premium, which means that if she doesn't use her plan, she can get her money back. Or if she dies and she never uses her plan, the money she put into the plan, actually more, is going to be paid back to her daughter. So that was something that was very exciting for Morgan. 
So this is really what we did. We rolled up our sleeves and we went to work and, and we decided to look at the asset-based plan. And we kind of worked backwards from a budget. And what I mean by that is you can go out and say, I want you know, $4,000 a month of long-term care insurance for, I want it to last me four years. You can do that. Or you can work it backwards, say, I'm willing to contribute, you know, $10,000 a year, whatever that number is, and say, what benefits can I get? What options can I get for that budget? So what we did for Morgan is she decided that she liked the idea of a 10 pay, that she would pay 10 annual payments into the insurance plan and then have it paid up. Now, you can do monthly if you want to, but there's a little premium thing. But when I say 10 pay, we're talking 10 annual payments. So if you were doing monthly, it would just be monthly payments for 10 years. But she's just going to have one payment once a year for 10 years, and then the plan is fully paid up. She was willing to invest $7,500 excuse me, into her plan, and she felt comfortable with that moving forward. You know, so we looked at some, you know, eight thousand dollar, five thousand, ten thousand dollar budget range, and she settled on seventy five hundred. She said, "I feel comfortable making that payment based on the savings that I have and the income that I have right now. I would be willing to put seventy five hundred dollars a year into my plan for ten years." So, this is how it's going to work. She's going to make one payment each year for seventy five hundred dollars for the next ten years, for a total of seventy five thousand dollars paid into her plan. Now, again, that's assuming that she does not go on claim in the next 10 years. Let's say that she gets in a car accident and she gets a spinal injury at year five. Well, if she's in a long-term care situation, she's going to have her benefits, her full benefits, but she's not going to have to continue making those annual payments. The waiver premium is built into these limited-to-pay options as well, too. But But here's what's going to happen. She's going to start out with an initial bucket of money of $310,000. So again, remember, we're deciding how much money is in our bucket. She's going to get $310,000, and she's deciding how fast she can pull that out. She She's going to be able to pull out $4,318 a month or about $53,000 a year for a total of six years. So that means whenever she goes on claim, she will have a minimum of six years if she is pulling out the maximum amount every month she can. So $53,000 a year for 10 years. That's her long-term care insurance. Okay, now here's something that's really unique about this plan. She's going to have a death benefit of $103,000 starting day one. So remember, the IRS calls these asset-based plans linked benefits, meaning we're linking two things together. One link on the chain is long-term care insurance. In this example, the other link is a life insurance policy that can be used for long-term care needs if she's alive. But if she dies, it turns into a life insurance policy. And that starts at day one. So think of what this does for her. She goes out and she gets hit by the bus and she doesn't live. She dies. Guess what? $103,000 is paid back to her estate, to her daughter. It doesn't matter that she's only made one payment. It works like a life insurance policy that way. She will have that life insurance for the entire life of the policy. So she's guaranteed basically to put $103,000 out, even though she only puts $75,000 into it if she makes all 10 payments. So that death benefit starts day one. The plan also has a really neat feature called a guaranteed minimum death benefit. Now, think of this. I've got that bucket of money, $310,000 of long-term care. I go on claim. After six years, I exhaust all my long-term care insurance and then I pass away. Well, as soon as she passes away, they're going to go back and they're going to look at it and say, well, she spent more than the 103000 which was the death benefit, but we're still going to give her $20,718 back to her estate. I call this the funeral fund because that's going to come back regardless, even if she's you know 85 years old and has spent all 300000 of long-term care insurance, her daughter will still get $20,000. So when you do the net of the, you know the third grade math on this, she paid seventy five thousand into it. She's going to get just a little over twenty thousand dollars paid back, even if she uses all of the long term care insurance. That whole three hundred thousand dollar bucket of money, she still gets twenty thousand dollars paid back to her estate. So her net cost on this plan is actually fifty five thousand dollars. She put seventy five in. She can use all the long term care insurance. They're still going to hand her a check for twenty thousand dollars at the end. Now. Let's talk about the surrender value because that's what's really cool on this, the flexibility of this plan. She's going to get 80% of her money of the premiums paid back to her if she just cancels the policy for the first 10 years. So that means if she pays in you know two years worth of policy, she pays in $15,000. Well, her total cash surrender 
value is going to be $12,000. So it's going to cost her about $1,500 a year the first 10 years if she canceled to have that long-term care insurance. And I will tell you the same policy, that $53,000 a year for six years through a traditional carrier would end up costing her $2,200 a year. So again, this is still really cheap insurance. But once she has paid that final payment, she's made the 10 payments, she cancels her plan. This is a unique feature that we put on this particular plan. She gets 100% of her premiums back. So she's 48 now. At 58, she's paid up. She needs to cancel her plan. She wants to move to another plan. She's gotten married, whatever it is. She can get 100% of her premiums back out of this policy. She had insurance all 10 years. But guess what? They're going to turn around and say, congratulations. You want to cancel your policy. Nothing happened to you. Here's your $75,000. She is free to do whatever she wants with it. And if she's still healthy enough, you know, she can go buy another plan. Now, that's not her goal, but it's just some flexibility that's built into this plan when they are designed right. Some of the carriers will only give you 40000 back or 50000 back, but the way we designed this one, it's going to give her maximum flexibility. So if she has to cancel her plan, she gets 100% of that money back. And another thing that this plan does really well is once she goes on claim, she's going to pay for care for the first 90 days, and then the insurance company is going to write her a check on month four for four months worth of benefits. So it's what they call retroactive elimination period. So, you know, she goes on claim, she's getting set up, she's dealing with insurance, she's doing whatever else. As soon as she rolls into month four, after 90 days of receiving care, she's going to get a check for four months of care. And every month after that, she'll get 100% of her benefit paid out to her for as long as she is on claim. So that's just a great plan. And again, she can use that cash benefit to pay family member. She can pay her daughter. But if she's not, if she's moving to an assisted living facility or having home health agency come in, that's fine. The money's already in her account. She can do whatever she wants. So, you know, one of the reasons we went this route with Morgan, obviously, is it's incredibly flexible. It does everything she wanted to her. It's going to pay her back if she doesn't use it. She's got access to the cash value after she's fully funded the plan. She doesn't have payments in retirement. She's got the flexibility to do whatever she wants with family members or hire her own people. You know, and also Morgan said something else, too. You know, there's a chance she's probably going to inherit some money from her parents. And so she said, you know, maybe later in life I can get a more robust plan, maybe a lifetime benefit or more meaningful. And this is a good plan for her right now. But, you know, when she's 75, that $53,000 a year, maybe that's not going to be enough coverage for her. So we might want to add some more. So if she's healthy enough, we'll either add on top of this policy with another policy or she can take the money out of this policy and we can move to another policy that has more robust coverage. But the meaningful thing is that she's got coverage today that is going to make a difference in her life. She's protected. If she's diagnosed with something, she knows she will always have this bucket of money. She will always have the tax benefits. She'll always have the access to the value of that policy. It's just a really, really good plan. So, uh, folks, I've got to go hit the oxygen, come up for air for a few seconds. We're going to squeeze in our last break. But stick around um, after the break. I've got some more uh, information for you. I'll be right back. New asset-based programs protect your savings and your family, and even pay you back if you never use them. Make sure your care is funded and managed in a time of need. Learn more and sign up for one of Brian's free live webinar classes at 525longtermcare.com. As we age, we can't always plan on good health, but you can plan long-term care coverage to give peace of mind to you and your family. In Story Months, and a great way to learn about long-term care is to join my friends from 525 Advisors for the next free long-term care planning live webinar. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up. You'll learn so much. 525 Advisors will explain how long-term care works, what the coverage pays for, and you'll discover all the new options and different ways to fund a plan. Then, when you're ready, 525 Advisors will design a custom plan with you, like they did for my wife and me. Our plan even has lifetime benefits that pay us back if we never use it. I love how much time they spent with us, and it's not just me. Read the reviews. People love working with Brian and Madeline at 525 Advisors. So, get the great peace of mind long-term care coverage gives you. Go to 525longtermcare.com and sign up now for the next free live webinar. That's 525longtermcare.com. 525 525- longtermcare.com. The fact is most of us have known somebody who needed long-term 
long-term care. That's when a person reaches a stage in life requiring somebody else to help with basic daily activities due to physical conditions or a cognitive disease. Now, most of the time, long-term care starts in the home, which allows the individual to stay in a familiar setting. The price for long-term care can be expensive, and it could go on for years. Financial experts suggest purchasing long-term care insurance before you retire. Why? Because 7 out of 10 65-year-olds will need some sort of long-term care in the future. If you've never looked at long-term care insurance because you didn't know where to start, now you know where to start with 525 Advisors. 525 Advisors, local experts specializing in long-term care insurance, and they have plans that are guaranteed to pay you back if you never make use of them. Protect yourself and your family members from the financial cost of extended health care. Go to 525longtermcare.com. Sign up for the next free long-term care live webinar with Brian Ott. Go to 525longtermcare.com. This is Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. Listen and learn information from a certified long-term care planning specialist. You can email your questions to radio at 525advisors.com. Hey, and welcome back, and thanks again for tuning into Long-Term Care Radio and uh, sticking around with us if you've made it this far. I'm sorry for my breathing issues. I've been on a plane for 13 hours on Sunday, so I'm traveling, got back, and I tell you, I've got a little uh, congestion going up in one of my uh, nasal passages, and which I usually don't have, so... Who knows? Maybe I got COVID. We'll find out uh, when I get home tonight. I'll give myself a test, but I'm working my way through this. If you just tuned in, we do have a class coming up Thursday. It's going to be, again, it's going to be 4 o'clock Mountain Time, 3 o'clock Pacific Time. That's our live webinar. If you happen to be listening on KOA on Saturday the 18th to this show, we do have a class on the 18th in the morning, which is going to kick off at 9 o'clock Mountain Time. So you still have time to sign up for that. The webinar is the same. It's just different times. We're going to go over the same information. The key is that it's a live webinar. You can send your questions in. And also, when other people send in questions, I'm going to you know, put those back out on the webinar so that you can hear them as well. And that's just a great learning tool because a lot of times people ask a question that you know, you're like, oh, wow, that's a great question. I never thought of that. And that's what I love the most about these live webinars. There's that interaction. We used to do it you know, live classrooms um, before COVID hit, but the webinars actually opened up to make it a lot more accessible to more people. So we're really enjoying that. So again, uh, next Thursday, the 23rd, is our uh, main class that everybody can sign up for. And if you're listening early on KOA, you still have time to sign up for the one on Saturday morning, the 18th at 525longtermcare.com. So I've just got a few minutes left here. And and one of the things I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit um, today is going back to that you know, when is the right time to look into long-term care? I will tell you that one of the, 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 if we peel the onion back a little bit on that, really what people are afraid of is they're saying, gosh, well, if I can skip a couple years, that's a couple years of payments that I don't have to throw away. And so it's, that's the struggle there. It's just remember that on these asset-based plans, you're not throwing away your money. In fact, I just set up a plan today where the guy's, his money's growing at 2.5%, you know, every single year. The actual cash value is growing by 2.5%, so he's never going to lose it. So there's a lot of options on the asset base where you're not doing that. But people, I think, they still think of long-term care insurance as that boat payment without the boat. You know, that's the way most insurance works. You're stroking that check every year, and you don't feel like you have anything. Long-term care plans, especially these asset-based plans, are a little bit different. Also, I think you need to understand the difference of investment versus savings versus insurance. This is something else I have. I have a guy right now that's, you know, engineer smart guy that's sitting there calculating the net return on his investments and what he's going to get. I'm like, you know, then maybe you don't need insurance. You know, you you, you can self-insure, but that's not insurance, right? That's self-funding. The whole idea of an investment is what we've learned this year is that you can lose value in your investments, right? But in the long run, if you're investing for retirement savings over the long run, investments versus savings should outgrow savings. Not always, but usually they do. That's why we invest. We take a little bit of risk, and hopefully when things go up, they go up more than what they would be if we're saving. When we're saving money, we're saving that money so that we don't lose it. And I will tell you that I'm one of those people that do things that you're not supposed to do, like time the market. I pulled all my 401k, I moved it to cash in December, and I've been sitting there twiddling my thumbs. And I happen to look like a hero right now. But guess what? Now i got to try to figure out when to get back in. But the idea is that now my investment's working like a savings account because I'm adding to it every month in the 401k, and the balance has gone up since January instead of going down. 
the reason why we have savings is because we don't want to lose that money. That's different than investing. We're willing to give up the possibility of it going up maybe 8%. We'll settle for the 2% because guess what? We're not going to lose anything. So that's savings. And then we have insurance. The whole reason why we have insurance is to protect ourselves from a untimely event. And oftentimes a predictable yet untimely event. It's, it's kind of like the insurance agents when I got insurance from, from my son when he turned 16. He's just like, look, statistically, sooner or later, they're going to they're gonna have a fender bender or a wreck. My daughter's had two of them. My son wrecked a car and, at Christmas. And so they're right, right? You know, that's kind of a predictable event. It's just that it's untimely when it happens. So insurance, the whole idea of that is the same with long-term care insurance. We can look at it and say, you know, it's kind of a predictable event in the sense that we know that after age 65, 70% of us are going to end up in long-term care. So the odds are stacked against us. It's just that we're worried about the untimeliness of it. What if we get in a car wreck at age 62? What if we're diagnosed at MS at age 38? You know, I just have a 62-year-old client that just got her policy put in place in 2019. Guess what? She was just diagnosed with ALS. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, and we're turning that thing on and we're going full force at getting her all, the best level of care we can for the next few years because it's just, a, it's just, you know, it's a horrible diagnosis, but she was covered. That's what we have insurance for. So as you're doing your planning, you remember that a good financial will, it makes up all those. You have some investments, you have some savings. I remember one person telling me, you know, the better you invest, the more you can save, right? Or the, and so you look at that and then the more you save, the more you can invest and then insurance protects all of that. So you burn another week with us. Thank you so much. Um, stick around again. Sign up for one of our classes, 525longtermcare.com. I'm going to go to work on another show and I will be back next week. You've been listening to Long-Term Care Radio with certified long-term care planning specialist, Brian Ott. You can download and subscribe to the podcast at 525longtermcare.com and learn about all the long-term care planning options available. If you have questions for Brian or would like information about any of his upcoming long-term care webinars, go to 525longtermcare.com. Be sure to join us next weekend for another edition of Long-Term Care Radio with Brian Ott. For information, show schedules, and podcasts, go to 525longtermcare.com. Hey, it's Story Monson. Welcome back, my friends, Brian and Madeline from 525 Advisors. They took a break last year due to that debacle created by the Washington State CARES Act, you know, the payroll tax on employees for forced long-term care that was basically worthless. The law was so poorly written and created such a mess, most insurance carriers temporarily quit offering plans in the state. But 525 Advisors is back, ready to help protect your family and savings with the best long-term care plans available. They did for my wife and me, and we couldn't be happier. I know everything we worked hard for won't be whittled down paying for long-term care. And most importantly, our girls are protected from the burden of having to care for us. And a great bonus, our plan pays us back if we never use it. So learn about all kinds of important long-term care information and join Brian this Saturday at 10 for Long-Term Care Radio here on 97.3 Cairo FM. Check out his upcoming live webinar schedule, too, at 525longtermcare.com, 525longtermcare.com.